Good morning, Downtown Hope. My name is Jen, and it is a joy to worship together this morning as we continue our series in Luke called Fulfilled. At DH, we are a body of believers seeking gospel transformation in our homes and in our city. If you're newer here, we are so glad to have you. Be sure to go to our website, downtownhope.org, to get connected here. And on our website, you can also find information about our in-person gatherings that are going to resume on February 7th. So we hope to see you there. Now, as we prepare hearts for worship, would you please join me and the body of believers around the world as we read scripture from the Common Lectionary. A reading from Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the fields the birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Good morning, I'm Michael Dahlberg, one of the uh, worship leaders here at Downtown Hope. Uh, looking forward to worshiping together with you this morning. If you would, uh, lift up your voices as we sing the doxology together. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. I was an orphan lost at the fall, running away when I'd hear you call. Father, you worked your will. I had no righteousness of my own. I had no right to draw near your throne. Father, you loved me still. And in love before you laid the world's foundation. You predestined to adopt me as you own. 
You have raised me up so high above my station Child of God by grace and grace alone You left your home to seek out the lost You knew the great and terrible cost Jesus, your face was set. I worked my fingers down to the bone. Nothing I did could ever atone. But Jesus, you paid my debt. By your blood, I have redemption and salvation. Lord, you died that I might reap what you have sown. You rose that I might be a new creation. I am born again by grace and grace alone. I was in darkness all of my life. I never knew the day from the night. You made me see I swore I knew the way on my own Head full of rocks and heart made of stone but Spirit, you moved in me And at your touch my sleeping spirit was awakened On my darkened heart the light of Christ has shone into a kingdom that cannot be shaken Heaven set us in by grace and grace alone So I stand in faith by grace and grace alone And I will run the race by grace and grace alone I will slay my sin by grace and grace alone And I will reach the end by grace and grace alone Good morning church, I'm Eli and I have the privilege of serving Downtown Hope as Director of Church Operations we come to a time of our service where uh, we collectively and individually face the reality that in this past week, all of us have sinned in thought and in word and in deed towards God and each other. So we confess our sins. We don't do this in, to heap shame upon ourselves or wallow in our guilt. We do this because in this rhythm of confession, we find our healing. We're actually made whole by God's grace loving, loved in, his, in this confession. It's in this act of confessing that we get honest and we stop pretending and we come before a loving and gracious God who is quick to forgive and to pour out his love. This morning we're using an old corporate prayer of confession because sometimes we just don't know the words to use to pray. So this morning here at Downtown Hope we're using this historic prayer because these words have been prayed over and prayed by many churches and sometimes we need words to guide us in our prayer 
So let's use this collective prayer together to prime our hearts and allow it to lead us to specifically confess our individual sins. So we're going to pray collectively and corporately, and then we'll have time for you to specifically, individually confess your own sins and private sins. So church, I want you to invite you to confess your sins with me, and let's go to the Father and confess together. Jesus, forgive my sins. Forgive the sins that I remember and the sins I have forgotten. Forgive my many failures in the face of temptation and those times when I have been stubborn in the face of correction. Forgive the times I've been proud of my own achievements and when I failed to boast in your works. Forgive the harsh judgments I've made to others and the leniency I've shown myself. Forgive the lies I've told others and the truths I have avoided. Forgive me the pain I have caused others and the indulgence I have shown myself. Jesus, have mercy on me and make me whole. Amen. Church, the good news for you and for me is that though our sin is pervasive, meaning none of us are good enough, God's grace is even more pervasive, meaning that all who have put their faith and trust in Jesus have been forgiven. Church, that's the good news. I want to invite you to stand as we're reminded on how we've been raised up in Christ, reminded how our sin has been dealt with once and for all on the cross. God reminds us in 1 John chapter 9, chapter 1, verse 9, he promises, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. Amen. I want to take this time to remind all of us that if you're in need of prayer or want us to lift someone else up in prayer, please reach out. Send us a, an email at prayer at downtownhope.org. And if you're, one in our, if you're in one of our community groups that meets in and around Annapolis area, please share your request with your group. Your group later, lean into them.
your sting Your power is as dead as my sin The cross has taught me to live Mercy my heart now to sing Day and its troubles shall come I know that your strength is enough The scandal of grace You died in my place So my soul will live And oh, to be like you I give all I have just to know Jesus, there's no one beside you Forever the hope in my heart Oh, to be like you I'd give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Forever the hope in my heart And it's all Because of you, Jesus It's all Because of you, Jesus It's all because of your love that my soul will live And it's all because of you, Jesus It's all because of you, Jesus It's all because of your love that my soul will live Oh, to be like you I give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Forever the hope in my heart Good morning, Downtown Hope. My name is Joey. I have the gift of serving Downtown Hope as lead pastor and we're so thankful that you're joining us this morning from your homes. Uh, we have a vision as a church. We're a family of faith. We're a movement of people who have been rescued by Jesus. And we are imperfect, uh, as imperfect as they come. And yet Jesus is changing our lives from the inside out. And we're so thankful to be part of this body. We are being transformed, not for the sake of our own lives, but for the sake of our city and for the sake of our world, to seek the flourishing of our neighbors. And uh, just want to share a couple of things this morning connected to that vision. Uh, one is that we as a family this evening at 7 o'clock are going to have the opportunity to gather on Zoom uh, to have our uh, you know, beginning of the year uh, annual recap. So what we're going to be doing is looking back at 2020 and hearing all uh, some amazing ways that the Lord has worked in and among our body all last year, even in the midst of a, 
of the pandemic. And we're going to be sharing a little vision for 2021. So if you consider Downtown Hope your church home, maybe uh, I've heard many people just getting uh, involved with us in recent days here, tuning in online, excited that we're going to be meeting in person. We would love for you to join us. Uh, you have a Zoom invitation in your inbox that came this last Thursday through the weekly email. So that's how you can uh, attend the 7 p.m. all church family meeting tonight. We would love for you to uh, join in with that. Uh, if you don't have that link, you can email us at info at downtownhope.org to receive that link. And again, it's just going to be a joyous time uh, to celebrate and, and thank God for what he's done. We talk about our vision of gospel transformation, and there's ways that we're living that out. There's ways that we're being shaped and formed. We're being transformed. We talk about worship. We talk about mission. And we talk about community or fellowship. And one of the exciting things in the days ahead is related to worship. Now, worship for us, we talk about this all the time, is more than just what we do on Sunday morning. But what we do on a Sunday morning and gathering is a special, is a sacred space, is, a, is an opportunity to worship our King. And as many of you know, and we've, uh, we've been talking about this, um, we have three ways we're going to be gathering starting next Sunday. We would love for all of you to participate in one of these three. Uh, one way is just what we've been doing all along, which is live stream gatherings, gathering online. So if you can't make it in person in a home or at the gathering space here, um, we'd love for you to join us. Uh, and thankfully, uh, our team has been working so hard to get live stream uh, capabilities up. Uh, it's kind of interesting. We live streamed last Sunday. We're not doing it this morning because of the weather. Our team just sacrificed so much to get here tonight um, to, to record um, but starting next Sunday, we will be live streaming at 10 a.m., uh, and you can uh, tune in from your homes. Secondly, uh, we would love for you to join us in person. Um, there, uh, in the invite or in the uh, email this last Thursday, uh, we mentioned a form, a button that's on our homepage right now, and it's just a survey, and we would love for you to fill that out to let us know uh, if you're interested in joining us or if you're planning on joining us in person on Sundays. Um, it'd be great if you haven't filled that out, if you could just fill that out today, fill it out right now if you want, um, and that will help us to plan most effectively. And thanks for your patience as we're um, taking this next step to having people in person again to gather. Um, we heard this last week that the uh, county is allowing us to up to 50% capacity, which is wonderful. So we're thankful for that as well. So please fill out that survey. And then starting this Wednesday evening at 5 p.m., you can reserve your seat for next Sunday, the 7th. So look out for that form. Go to our website. It will be right on our homepage uh, at 5 p.m. on Wednesday. We'll be able to host about 40 adults and about 10 children at this time. And again, if you can fill out that survey for us now, it'll really help us to plan effectively for the future. And then the last way we would encourage you to gather if, if you uh, are desiring to meet in person with people, but maybe you don't feel comfortable or you're not able to come to the public space here at 255 West, um, we're going to be having home gatherings. So if you would like to host a home gathering or join a home gathering, it's a set small group of people that will gather in their homes between now and Easter. And uh, we will support you and set you up well for that. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to gather in worship as a body, and we really hope and pray you join us for one of those. Uh, at this time, we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Luke. We have our student director, Colin Savage, who's going to come and bring the word. And I would just love to pray for him uh, as we dive in this morning. Father, thank you for the gift of technology. Thank you for the gift of gathering together as a church family here. We are so excited about this next season. 
Lord, there has never been a more opportune time as a follower of Jesus to put your glory and your beauty and your wonder on display in our world than right now. And we are excited, Lord, to take this step into this next season. We pray, Lord, for Colin uh, as he comes this morning, that you would give him words to speak. You would inspire him and fill him fresh with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that in hearing your word, we wouldn't just be hearers, but we would put it to life. We would put it to action. We would be empowered, Lord. And in this process, you would change us for the sake, for your glory, for the sake of the world. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, good morning, Downtown Hope. Uh, like Joey said, uh, my name's Colin. Uh, I'm the student director here. Um, and it's been a, a, a crazy season for all of us, um, but it has been also awesome to see the Lord moving and working in 2020 and 2021. And, um, you know, like I said, this season's been up and down, but I just want to remind you that uh, the God that we serve is a rock. Uh, he's a foundation that is unshakable. Uh, he remains the same um, and he continues to call people uh, to him and draw them closer to himself. But this morning, uh, we're going to be entering into Luke chapter 5, verses 17 uh, to 26. And I would just ask you right now, if you have your Bibles, uh, whether that's a phone or a physical Bible, to pull those out uh, as we read through Scripture today uh, and we read through this passage. Uh, this story is about Jesus healing a paralytic. So starting in chapter 5, verse 17, um, would you read along with me? It says this, so that on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you or to say, rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you God for uh, the story that maybe some of us are really familiar with. Uh, Lord, I pray, God, that you would uh, bring a fresh spirit today into our hearts, Lord, that we would be, uh, Lord, just in, a, in, in, in your word in a way that maybe we haven't in a while. Um, God, that we would see, uh, Lord, in, in scripture, all throughout your narrative, you are at work revealing yourself to us, drawing us closer to you. I pray, Lord, that that would be true this morning that you would take us to a place maybe we haven't visited in our heart, uh, Lord, that maybe we haven't uh, brought into uh, the relationship with you, handed over trust, handed over the reins. Uh, God, I pray that today you would make those things clear, God, and that you would remind us of your loving mercy and kindness to us. We ask all these things in your name. 
Amen. So about six years ago, uh, my last job in central Pennsylvania, I was pretty much a brand new youth pastor and uh, we only had a couple leaders uh, remain when I transitioned into this role. Um, and uh, I just wanted to tell you about one couple in particular because they, this couple approached me. They were uh, a couple that had three children um, and these three children, all of which were students in the youth program. Um, and this couple, their name was Amy and Macy Manier. Uh, they were uh, and became one of the best set of youth leaders that I have ever served beside in my entire life. Um, and Amy and Macy were that couple when they volunteered that you would wish you could replicate. They had the student ministry experience. They had served in this way before. They had a heart for students and a heart for Jesus. Uh, and, but little did I know how close really the, the Meneer family, Amy and Macy, would become uh, and how closely knit we would be. Uh, during my time serving them, though, it was interesting because Macy, uh, the husband, started having weird uh, muscle issues. Uh, his arms would actually start to kind of twitch uncontrollably in weird places. And, and eventually he would just get really tired and sore really quick. No one ever knew right away what was going on. But after a couple trips to the different doctors, uh, Macy, uh, one of my really good friends, uh, got diagnosed with ALS. Uh, this was my first time seeing the effects of ALS in the life of someone up close someone close to me. This disease progressed faster than anything I've ever seen. And Macy was an athletic guy. He was a basketball coach. And eventually, he lost his ability to play. He lost his ability to walk. And even his own neck lost the strength that it needed to hold his head up. See, being confined to a wheelchair and then losing his ability to eat, he was de completely dependent on his wife and other caretakers. And, and in less than a year after being diagnosed with ALS, Macy, Macy eventually lost his ability to breathe altogether and passed away. Now, I don't, I don't share this story to start on a low note, uh, but to remind us of some very important realities in this world, as we study the passage of a man with palsy being healed, all of us can feel the tension already surrounding healing and what you need to know is that our team, our church, we prayed, we fasted, we, we prayed for Macy's physical healing, and it didn't happen. Many of us have felt that tension in our lives and in one way or another, but there are some things that we need to get straight before we dive into this passage. See, I believe that God still heals. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind about this, and and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, right, that if, if he, maybe he would have had enough faith, things would have been different because that's not true. Because, but, but in this passage, it is so easy to get caught up in the story of the paralyzed man and this miraculous healing that takes place that we miss the point altogether. In this passage, this man's healing was secondary. This man shows up for healing. And, and the first thing that Jesus gives him is he says, your sins are forgiven. I mean, could you imagine being carried all the way to this place and being lowered through a roof for one thing and then getting something completely different? You see, in this story, Jesus saw their faith. He forgave them. But then he read the thoughts and the minds of the skeptics. And as a result of the skepticism, he decided to heal him. Now hear me out. The healing of this physical man, the, the physical healing of this man wasn't 
just for his own personal healing. This was to point the skeptics and to point you and I to the person of who Jesus was. You see, by forgiving this man, he was making a statement to all the people involved that Jesus wasn't just this kid that grew up in Nazareth, but Jesus was God in the flesh. Jesus had the power to heal. Jesus had the authority to forgive sin. The primary mission of Jesus has been and always will be to, to, to bring glory to himself and to redeem his people. But what good is it for a man to be able to walk but yet forfeit his soul. You see, Jesus' primary focus was, was he, he brings a diagnosis and he also brings a cure to our brokenness at its root. And that root is our spiritual condition of sin. But there is something that happens when the divinity of Jesus enters into the broken lives of normal people like you and me. You see, while we know that God doesn't always heal those that we love in, in the physical ways that sometimes we desire, we know that there are certain things that happen when we come before Jesus in humility. There are certain things that happen to our own brokenness when we encounter Jesus. And today I want to look at this story and I want to see how an interaction with God and with man changes things. See, there is not much we know about this guy. There's not much we know about him apart from what's practic practically seen in this passage. And the story is actually also recorded in Mark 2 and in Matthew 9, but you literally don't gain much more understanding about who he is. There are, in this story, we don't even know who he is. We don't even have a name. We don't know his background, but we know from verse 18, it tells us that, behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. So here's what we do know. The man couldn't walk. And as most of you guys are aware, there's many kinds of a paralysis, right? Some affect certain parts of the body, some affect the whole body. Uh, but it, no matter what the case, it seems that this guy was so disabled that he could not walk. And just for a moment, think about losing your ability to walk. I'm sure some of you maybe have been sick enough that you know or you can relate to having and losing feeling in and having the ability to walk at all. Or maybe you know somebody that's confined to a wheelchair and you know the struggle. It's a hard and it's a humbling circumstance to be in that. But something that is overlooked is that this man, without help from others, would literally have had zero chance of actually getting to Jesus in the first place. Like, even if he's heard rumors of how Jesus has healed, even if he's somewhat optimistic that maybe this could actually work, without anybody to actually get him to where Jesus was, he had no chance. You see, in our passage, it says that some men brought this guy, brought this guy to Jesus. But Mark 2 gave us a little bit more insight. And it says that when these guys came bringing this paralytic, it tells us that there was four men. Four men carried this guy. Well, I mean, have you ever wondered why it might take four people? Uh, well, have you ever tried to actually carry somebody that's actually like dead weight? It feels like they're 10 times heavier than they actually are. So not only was this man helpless on his own, but it is possible that even if he had like one friend, he still might not have made it there. Without reading too much into this scenario and making it something that it's not, um, I'm just hoping to convey to you that this man was in a hopeless and a helpless situation. But there were really two reasons why this man was specifically carried into this story. The first reason that they, we, we see this man in this story is because his palsy was something. 
his paralyzation was something that was known and accepted. You see, if the man didn't have this palsy, we wouldn't, he wouldn't have been carried at all. And the second reason that we, he's in, involved in this story is because they have heard rumors of what Jesus has been doing in these towns. They have heard rumors of this man named Jesus that has been healing. And they heard, like our scripture tells us, that Jesus has the power to heal. But because of his brokenness, and because of the hope that Jesus gave, he was brought to him in this scenario. You see, you don't need to live with palsy to know something of the same hopelessness. It's the same desolating sense when it seems that some aspect of your life can never be fixed. For many of us, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it permeates in our day-to-day lives as, as our brokenness kind of turns, in, turns our hopeful attitude of like, nothing is impossible with God into a weary, like, uh, nothing's ever gonna change. You see, I'm convinced that some of us who might not voice it out loud, maybe we've come to expect that God will just not answer prayer much less rend the heavens, right? And come down as we see in Isaiah 64. Instead, we just tend to expect that brokenness will just dominate our lives' headlines until our obituary takes its place. It might be a broken country like the one that we're living in right now, or it might be a broken marriage where mistrust has eliminated the intimate tenderness that was meant to be between a man and a woman. Maybe it's a broken ministry where the word of God maybe seems to only land on the path of the birds or perhaps it's just a broken soul where it seems like just darkness has extinguished all of the light in our heart. You see, in the wreckage of of that kind of brokenness, we feel entirely justified as we take on this hopeless view of our life. We might even call our hopelessness a sense of realism for us. But you see, more than any other characters in this story, all of us should see ourselves in this paralyzed man. Do you see it? Have you experienced it? If you can hear me, I want you to slow down for a second and listen to this. The story of the paralyzed man is like a parallel to our story. Do you know what your life was like before Christ? For those of you who are listening and you have an intimate relationship with Jesus, do you know what this parallel means for you? You see, without Jesus, we are spiritually dead. We are all paralyzed and without hope. We may be physically alive, but we are stuck. We have no access to a lifeline and we are actually what the Bible says, slaves to sin. A slave to sin does not have the power to break the bonds of sins. And when we sin, we we have, it has reign over our lives. But for this man and for us, there's one thing I want you to see. The first point in this story is that when Jesus comes in, when Jesus interacts with this man, we find out that in Jesus, brokenness has hope. 
our sicknesses, our diseases, broken relationships, broken thoughts, hopelessness, attitudes, addictions, all of our brokenness has hope in Jesus. This is not a point about how you can find Jesus and guarantee healing for every area of your life, but this passage reminds us that God can heal spiritual and physical brokenness in our lives, but most importantly, he can use the most broken parts about us as a tool to bring us back into his loving arms. You see, I don't know where this paralyzed man went to try to find healing before, but his palsy and the rumors of Jesus gave him hope, which brought him back into an encounter with God in the flesh. I don't think you can make this claim given the humanity and our lack of sovereignty, but this man's palsy was a channel that was used to bring him into the presence of Jesus. This man's palsy was the reason that he looked for solutions and found hope in Jesus himself. What would our lives look like if we saw that kind of wonder and that kind of hope in Jesus again? What if the wonder and hope of Christ led us to being real about our brokenness and paralysis? What if we allowed every broken part of our lives, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, to be channels by which we find hope in Jesus? See, if you're like me, I can get so caught up in trying to find solutions to my brokenness. We have, we have these plans, we have these strategies, and all of these things we are going to do to mend or fill this void, but sometimes we'll even rip a hole in a roof, right, just to find healing. But this should make you ask, who's in the home of the roof that you're ripping off? Is Jesus the one that you're really looking for? You see, if not, you'll find yourself, even if healed, still in a very empty home. And there are many times in their pursuit of healing solutions in our lives that we encounter an empty house or in a situation like this, a packed house with no way to get in. But hear this, when, I, when, when we are hopeless because of our lack of healing or our brokenness, our disappointment turns to hope when our plans encounter a person. And that's the person of Jesus. See, I'm convinced today that the story of healing was not just to give you hope that you can be healed, but it was meant to bring you closer to the one that is the ultimate healer, the great physician. Doctors and medicine may be able to help you, and God can certainly use anything to bring healing, but no doctor can heal your soul. You see, if you're bogged down with disappointment, if you're hopeless, if you're overwhelmed and just accepting of your brokenness, there's hope for Jesus, for, there's hope in Jesus for you. If you feel as though you can't get out of that place, this is that moment where I gotta just say it. Listen, that's why we talk about discipleship bands and community groups. Find that four, find those four that are gonna be, are able to carry you. Right, sometimes you have to carry, sometimes you have to let yourself be carried. That's part of the deep gospel transformation community that we talk about here. The first step to breaking the bondage of sin in our lives and to breaking through uh, a lot of, and, and seeing restoration for our brokenness is by admitting the reality of the sin and brokenness in our lives, realizing that we are slaves to sin and we are bound to stuff before Jesus. This, this, this part enables you to acknowledge your sins and seek salvation. See, no matter where you are right now, I wanna remind everybody here that in Jesus, your, your pain and your brokenness, the things that you're struggling with right now are not a life sentence for you. If you are in Jesus and you have a relationship with him in which you have made him the Lord of your life, there is no pain 
and brokenness in your life sentence. See, in Jesus, we have hope for the most broken parts about us. But when it comes to our brokenness, yes, we get hope. But he doesn't just leave it there. See, in this story, you hear about a man with palsy who comes to Jesus, carried by four men. And what is interesting about this scenario is that we actually have no recording of actual dialogue between Jesus uh, and this man or between Jesus and this man's friends. All we see is he gets dropped down. Like there's no request, there's nothing being made. And it's not, it wouldn't be unusual to have people either ask or make a request or announce their need. But in this story, it seems as though there was no real interchange needed to understand what was happening. Not just because Jesus knew uh, his need already, but I think it also has to do with how physically obvious that his brokenness was to everybody around. You see, his helplessness was so apparent, not just because of his friends carrying all the way there and not just because they were digging through the roof, but his helplessness It was obvious because of the very bed that he was laying on. See, picking up in verses 18 and 19, it says, Behold, some men were bringing, some men were bringing on a bed a man, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and they let him down with his bed through the roof. (laughs) This bed, do you see how people are coming to conclusions about this guy? Like, you don't need to be some uh, has some crazy like mind reading ability to see what's happening here. His brokenness was clearly seen because of his identification with the bed that he was laying on. And I'm not sure if this bed was like made for travel for this trip, for, for this trip specifically, but um, whatever the case may be, his association with this bed or this mat was immediately connected to his brokenness and his, his identity. Could you imagine your biggest source of brokenness, the biggest, the biggest source of hurt in your life being on display for all to see. Can you imagine people identifying you with your issues? See, along with his identity being wrapped up in his brokenness, his purpose was as well. This man's mat not only defined him, but it confined him. He's not going anywhere without this mat. This mat is what gives him the, the ability to be carried. And if there's not a mat, they wouldn't have been able to be lowered through the roof. See, this man was a slave to his brokenness. And this mat was a tool used as like this chain that confines him. But what happens when Jesus enters the story? In verse 24, as the story continues, Jesus says to the man, rise, pick up your bed and go home. Do you see what happened there? See, the bed, the very thing that was defined and confining him is actually now being redefined. This bed, which was responsible for carrying him to Jesus in the first place, is now to be carried by the man. See, when Jesus heals this man, yes, he heals his paralysis, but also in the midst of this healing is his identity. And what once defined the man actually defines him no longer. In fact, the man now defines the bed. You see, he now realizes that he is free from letting the bed hold him back. And this is really the second thing that I want you to grab today, that in Jesus, our brokenness gets redefined. Not only does our brokenness have hope, but our brokenness gets redefined when our human brokenness encounters the divine nature of God in the person of Jesus. It has no choice but to change. 
And I just want to reiterate, physical healing, while it still happens, does not always occur in our life. But when we bring those physical issues to Jesus, he breaks the chains that confine and allow us to live free of that identity. For the man in this story, his spiritual brokenness is really what paralyzed him. Because even if he was free from the master of his palsy, he still would have been enslaved to sin. Slavery, which means to be defined and confined by something, has less to do with your circumstance and more to do with who or what you are enslaved to. The Bible is clear about this, as we see in Romans 6, that all of us are by nature enslaved to sin. We don't rule sin. Sin rules us. And we also know that God alone is the decisive deliverer from this slavery. And our part, which is real and it's crucial, is dependent on his. You see, brokenness used to define and control us, but when Jesus enters the picture, he gives us a new name, a new identity. No matter what brokenness, spiritual or physical, that is mastering over you, when Jesus enters the picture, he defines the thing that divined you. Your new identity now belongs to Jesus, the divine, compassionate, all-loving, all-knowing God in the flesh who came for you. He can heal you, he can restore you, but we have to bring our brokenness to him. For those of you who have been praying for physical healing for a while, and those of you who feel like you're still defined by that issue or paralysis, let him redefine those areas of your life. Lay those things at his feet. Allow him into those vulnerable places of those things that have defined and confined you. The truth is that as believers who are hidden in Christ, who have the spirit alive and at work in us, we do not have to labor under the weight of any brokenness any longer. You can be defined by Jesus or you can be defined by your brokenness. And once we have hope and we get a redefined definition of our brokenness, there's one more thing. As this man found hope in Jesus and Jesus redefined the brokenness that once defined him, something else takes place that is really important for you and me to ponder and think about. Putting ourselves in the shoes of this man, we have to ask ourselves, what would we do really in this scenario? What would our lives be like if we had a physical palsy that actually defined and confined us? The reality that plays out in this man's life had to be one that's more monotonous. I mean, he would have to have a really hard time answering the question every day, like, what would you do today? I'm sure the same answer would come about every day, nothing. Everybody probably thought they knew this guy's story and there wasn't anything new to ask him. And here in this passage, as this man comes face to face with the divinity of Jesus, he's wondering if he'll ever have something worth talking about. And, and at this moment of truth has arrived, Jesus says to the man, he says, get up, pick up your mat and go home. And, and, and as we pick up in verses 25 and 26, we see this man everybody else, and everybody else see something that is definitely worth talking about. It says this in verse 25, immediately he rose up before them, he picked up what he had been lying on and he went home glorifying God. And listen to how Luke describes the people in the crowd. He says, an amazement seized them all and they all glorified God and were filled with awe saying, we've seen extraordinary things today. 
this man not only experienced a new hope and a new identity, but now the man is actually walking. And the feeling that Luke is trying to describe here is so tense. As this man, who's been miraculous, miraculously healed, walks by all the skeptics, they all are all beside themselves. I'm sure it's not just because of the healing, though. It's not just because of the healing, but I'm sure it has to do with the implications of what this means about Jesus. See, now they're wondering, does he really have the authority to forgive? And a sense of reverence and fear start to take a place in this scene. But why make note of this? Why is the crowd's response so important? There's something I forgot to mention to you about the story of Macy. Even though Macy's battle with ALS didn't last long, the pain and the suffering was felt for a long time. And from the void left behind in his absence to the stacks of medical bills that people had to help them with, Macy's journey was hard and so sad. Even though at the end of his journey, he couldn't even speak, Macy was telling a story. You see, without words, his brokenness became a story that brought glory to Jesus, glory to God. His brokenness revealed the beauty of the gospel, that there is life despite death. See, we, we have many events and services to raise money for this, the, all the medical expenses that they had, but my favorite moment was his memorial service. As people spoke, shared testimonies, Macy's life impacted people in the story of his faith and, and the savior that he knew in Jesus during the, the complete disintegration of his body. It made even the craziest of atheists question, what is he talking about? And I think to myself, in Macy's story, chains of other people's lives were broken because of how the brokenness Macy experienced pointed them towards the one who broke himself for us. And the last thing I want you to take away from this is that in Jesus, our brokenness actually has purpose. You see, here's the truth. Just because we've been broken doesn't mean that we're thrown away. Just because we've been broken doesn't mean we are unusable, set up on a shelf to collect us. Brokenness in Jesus has the power, unlike anything else, to bring forth new beauty, to bring forth new strength and inspiration to other people because it's often in those moments that we've tasted deep pain and brokenness and suffering that we notice we notice and start to understand the reality of the brokenness that Jesus endured on our behalf. See, our healing, though, I need you to understand, is always secondary to the glory of God. Ultimately, our brokenness, whether physical or spiritual, whether healed or not, has hope, meaning, and purpose. But always remember that God is, when God is glorified the most, 
we experience the most blessing because the glory of God is the primary concern of our lives. So many today think that God is just out to always show us goodness and to always make us feel better, but I'm here to tell you that his first and foremost thing that he is focused on is to be glorified. And remember that this man's healing was purposed to reveal to us specifically who Jesus of Nazareth was and what he came to fulfill. Whether we are seeking healing or we have been healed, we will as a, bod- will we as a body let God use our brokenness for his glory? Are we willing to say, Lord, here's a part of my life that I have not let you into. Redefine it. Give it hope and give it a purpose for your glory. See, when our mindsets are for the glory of God, things start to change and he redefines the very things that defined us. And to close, I just want to read this quote to you. Listen to this. Of course, the hope that sits at the heart of reality does not guarantee that all of brokenness will feel or heal quickly or even at all really in this life, but our country might take hundreds of years to recover. Your marriage might take years to thaw or the cold might settle in a little deeper. Your ministry might grow incrementally or might wither or die. Your soul might brighten by imperceptible degrees. But the hope at the heart of reality does guarantee something. Change is not not only possible, but it's surely coming. You see, Jesus' empty tomb stands as a solid, immovable witness that brokenness is beaten. With the God of hope running the world, the risen Christ at his right hand, and their mighty spirit living inside of you, no brokenness can stand forever. One day, our hope will reach its fulfillment in the coming of the Son, in the dawning of eternity, and he will speak the final word that exiles brokenness from the earth. No more splintered countries, no more icy marriages, no more floundering and depressed saints. And when we reach for that hope with the fingers of faith, we will live in today's brokenness differently. As we approach the Lord's table today, it's not always fun to talk about brokenness. In fact, sometimes it really, it's really tough to get down and, 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 to, and, to, and to pick it apart. Sometimes it's been covered under layers of other feelings. It's been protected for years because you do not want to hash out that hurt. You do not want to hash out that mistake. You don't want to hash out that memory. But see, these broken pieces of our life when Jesus enters into them, not only give us hope, but he can redefine them and he can give them purpose. So as we approach the table today, we need to lay down the things in our lives that we have given authority to. We have to make sure that our hearts are coming to this table without any hidden sinful idolatry that has not been confessed. Let's take a moment and pray before partaking in the elements together.
each week we take time to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And no matter where you are right now, if you're just with your family or community, we want to encourage you right now to grab the elements and as a, as a, as a body in many different areas, but one body, get ready to partake in the, in the, with the elements together. In 1 uh, Corinthians, we see also, it tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, he took the bread and he broke it. He said this, this is my body which has been broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Encourage you now to pass around the bread, partake together. The idea of brokenness and the broken body of Jesus on our behalf. In the same way also he took the cup after supper saying that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and as often as you drink of it uh, in remembrance of me for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take a moment now and drink together. Heavenly Father, I pray. God, the story of a man with palsy that is defined and confined and hopeless would remind us, Lord, of, of who we were before you. God, that there was no antidote, there was no cure for the paralyzation of the soul and, and the sin in our lives that we had. We tried and we, 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 we tried to work for it. We tried to, to do what we can to fix it. We tried to be better to no avail. And this table reminds us, Lord, of what needed to be broken so that our brokenness could be restored and redeemed. Only you, only you can bring hope to the hopeless. Only you can give new definition and new purpose to the things that have taken our purpose and defined us and confined us. I pray that we would be a body that lets our brokenness be channels by which draw us closer to you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.
How great the chasm that lay between us How high the mountain I could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living Lord Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Cross is spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip of me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh, hallelujah. has lost its grip of me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living then came the morning that seemed the promise you buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me then came the morning that seemed the promise you buried No claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Whoa, 
broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope oh hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are my living hope. What an incredible morning to gather together. Michael, thank you for offering your gift. What you didn't know is Michael just drove 36 hours from Montana, and uh, we had him show up tonight rather than tomorrow morning. So thanks for staying awake as you're leading us here. It's awesome. And Colin, thank you for that word. I mean, what an incredible point of hope that in Jesus, our brokenness has hope, finds hope. In Jesus, our brokenness is redefined. And in Jesus, our brokenness has a purpose. Um, would love to send us this morning with a really clear uh, just kind of exhortation. I think it's Colin's third point. What is the purpose of your brokenness and my brokenness this week? And I believe that, you know, what Jesus would say to us, what the scripture screams out to us is that because Christ was broken for us, we find healing and peace. That's Isaiah 53. And we have the opportunity this week to go and to be transparent about the places of our lives where there is brokenness. So I want to challenge you this week. The world that we live in, the profoundly broken world that is desperately trying to hold it together themselves, what a gospel proclamation to go to your friends or your neighbor or someone in your home and just to be honest about something you're struggling with place or an area of brokenness in your life. Open up that conversation and see what the Lord through his spirit might do. See what he might do in their life. See what he might do in your life. Maybe there will be hope. Maybe there will be redefinition. Maybe God just has a purpose to work through your brokenness this week. Each week as we gather, we talk about worship, as I mentioned earlier, and part of our worship is giving, not only of our time and our abilities, but also of our resources. And we are so thankful for you, that you would uh, be generous towards the work of Jesus, the mission of Jesus through this local church. If you consider Downtown Hope your church home, we want to encourage you to continue to give generously. Uh, again, tonight at the family meeting, we're going to hear all kinds of ways that your generosity in 2020 had significant impact in this body and in many lives around our city and our county and even our world. So tune in tonight. Um, thank you for giving. You can give online through the Give button. Uh, you can also write a check to Downtown Hope and mail it in to 255 West Street. Love to pray for us as we go. Father, thank you for this morning. We rejoice that in you we find eternal, final, ultimate healing. Lord, we are so thankful when we experience that physical, emotional, practical healing, when your kingdom breaks into this world and we experience it. And we thank you even when, for whatever reason, Lord, that healing doesn't come the way we, we anticipate it, Lord. 
we know that you are good and that you're working even in the midst of our brokenness. Thank you that you are a God that didn't stay far off and distant, but you came into the world. You were made flesh. You experienced brokenness that we might find healing. And so we go, Lord. I pray that you would send each of us into our world this week, our places of work and play and our homes. We would be broken vessels singing and telling the story of a God who's brought healing and peace to our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go in peace. We'll see you next Sunday. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. God, you are.